Let us pray. Almighty God, our Father, dwelling in majesty and filling creation with your spirit, reveal your glory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Cleanse us from doubt and fear, and send us boldly into all the world to worship you with your Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, living and reigning, now and forever. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this Trinity Sunday is recorded in Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Dear fellow redeemed, in the 90s, a popular song entitled, What If God Was One of Us, began with the question, if God had a name, what would it be and would we call it to his face? What is barely imaginable to the unbelieving world, the Bible reveals, a God who did become one of us in the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible also reveals to us that God does have a personal name, Yahweh, and he invites us to call upon it. As we heard last Sunday in the first lesson from the prophet Joel, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today is Trinity Sunday, a celebration of God's name, revealed to us in the Bible as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God's name stands for who he is and what he does. The Lord reveals the glory of his name in creation, in redemption, and in our confession. The Lord reveals the glory of his name in creation. David begins the song of praise. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. All creation declares that it has a creator. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Astronomers and scientists who deny the hand of God in the universe are turning a blind eye to the majestic evidence of God's glory standing right in front of them. The sun, moon, and stars testify to the majesty and wisdom of God. Paul writes of this knowledge about God that we gain from observing nature. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Yet there is a limit to the knowledge about God we can receive from nature. 
While observing creation tells us that there is a God, it does not tell us who he is. While his wisdom, holiness, and power are attested to by the order of creation, nature does not tell us about God's grace, forgiveness, and mercy. These are things that can only be revealed to us by God's word, the Bible. When we consider the wonder of God's creation and the vastness of the universe, we may wonder, why would God think about us? Insignificant beings on a tiny planet in an out-of-the-way solar system. Why would he bother with us frail mortals who are here today and gone tomorrow? David wonders aloud, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? The care and concern the Lord has for human beings goes far beyond making us the crown of his creation. It extends beyond the care and protection he provides. When God created mankind, he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. These words are echoed in our psalm. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. Through the fall into sin, this perfect fellowship with God was broken. We lost the image of God, and our dominion over the earth was diminished. God said to Adam after the fall into sin, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. With the dominion over the earth, God had entrusted to us lost by the fall. Now animals kill human beings. Human beings kill animals. Human beings slaughter other human beings. We live in a hostile environment. In spite of modern medicine, our control of diseases is imperfect. Even the tiniest viruses can kill us. We battle against weeds, pests, and diseases, against floods and droughts in order to produce our food from the soil of the earth. Thousands of people perish in earthquakes and other natural disasters, such as tornadoes. Inevitably, the day comes when each of us must return to the ground from which we were created. We are mortal, frail, and helpless. Sin has so permeated us so that by nature we are dead in trespasses and sins, and our sinful minds are hostile toward God. We are on the fast track to hell from the moment of conception, brought forth in iniquity. But the Lord was mindful of our sad situation and acted on our behalf. 
The word translated mindful in our text literally means to call to mind for good, to remember with intention to act kindly. God actively works to keep his promise to protect and save us. The Lord reveals the glory of his name in redemption. God sent Christ as the second Adam, the son of man, to, in order to restore God's fallen creation and regain the dominion we had lost in the fall into sin. As true God, Christ has dominion over the whole universe. But when he was conceived by the Holy Ghost and born of the Virgin Mary, he took on a human nature like ours. He was made a little lower than the angels in order to regain our lost dominion for us. During his stay on earth, Jesus did not look like God or even an angel, but like an ordinary man. The power he possessed over all things, including the angels, was set aside for 33 years as he walked visibly on this earth. He subjected himself to the same human needs we all have and the same demands of God's law under which we all live. The prophecy of Psalm 8 was fulfilled throughout Jesus' ministry on earth when he assumed the form of a humble servant. Jesus was made a little lower than the angels when he was helped by angels at the time of his temptation and in Gethsemane. Psalm 8 was fulfilled when Jesus' enemies refused to recognize him as God, but instead ridiculed him as a lowly carpenter and when they mocked him at the cross. Psalm 8 was fulfilled at Calvary when Jesus cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But Jesus did not stay in this humble condition. When he had finished his work of defeating sin, death, and the devil, he ascended to heaven and was seated at the right hand of God. He now once more wields all power in heaven and on earth. In the words of our text, we have crowned him with glory and honor. The book of Hebrews explains how this psalm is fulfilled in Jesus' suffering, death, resurrection, and ascension. But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. The Lord reveals the glory of his name in redemption. Our ascended Lord is now ruling the world for the benefit of his people. He governs the history of nations and guides the course of our lives for the spiritual and eternal benefit of individual believers and his church as a whole. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. This is a comfort for us in this world of difficulty and danger, sin and sadness. Our glorious inheritance in heaven is safeguarded for us because the Christ who won it for us now has us all things placed under his feet. Jesus will share his dominion with us in the new heavens and the new earth. When we consider how Christ restored the dominion we had in creation but lost in the fall, we thank and praise him. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Even though the Lord has placed his glory in the heavens for all to see, more precious than the testimony of huge galaxies 
are the simple prayers and songs of a little child. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. It only takes the voices of his believing children to send his enemies away. The Lord reveals the glory of his name in our confession. In Matthew 21, Jesus quotes this psalm as a testimony to the faith little children had in him. After Jesus entering to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, the little children continued to sing their hosannas to Jesus in the temple. The religious leaders of Israel were outraged and demanded that Jesus put a stop to these songs, but Jesus refused. When the leaders of Israel, who should have taken the lead in welcoming Jesus, said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never heard? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise. The Lord reveals the glory of his name in our confession. Today, when many leaders of government, religion, and science refuse to give glory to God, God still receives praise from the lips of his children. A three-year-old making a joyful noise, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, is enough to send Satan scurrying back to hell. A kindergarten class singing, I am Jesus' little lamb, is powerful enough to silence the harshest critic of Christianity. How are we as God's children able to confess God's name and word before an unbelieving world? We do this by the power of the, the Holy Spirit gives us. For no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. From the Catechism, we know that his name is kept holy when his word is taught in its truth and purity, and we as children of God live holy lives according to it. This too is the Holy Spirit's working, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God promises that living according to his will leads those around us to glorify his name. As Peter writes, live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. The Lord reveals the glory of his name in our confession. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. God's name is majestic and mighty because no one else has revealed himself as perfectly holy, just, and righteous, or perfectly faithful, gracious, and loving. The Lord reveals the glory of his name in creation, in redemption, in our confession, because there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
As is customary on Trinity Sunday, we will confess our holy faith using the words of the Athanasian Creed. We will pray it responsibly by half verse. Whoever will be saved shall, above all else, hold the Catholic faith. Which faith, except it be kept whole and undefiled, without doubt, one will perish eternally. And the true Christian faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity, in Trinity, in unity. Neither confusing the persons, nor dividing the substance. For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Spirit. But the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit is all one. The glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son. And such is the Holy Spirit. The Father uncreated, the Son uncreated. And the Holy Spirit uncreated. The Father infinite, the Son infinite. And the Holy Spirit infinite. The Father eternal, the Son eternal. And the Holy Spirit eternal. And yet there are not three eternals, but one eternal. Just as there are not three uncreated, nor three infinites, but one uncreated and one infinite. Likewise, the Father is almighty, the Son is almighty. And the Holy Spirit is almighty. And yet there are not three almighties, but one almighty. So the Father is God. The Son is God. And the Holy Spirit is God. And yet there are not three gods. But one God. Likewise, the Father is Lord. The Son is Lord. And the Holy Spirit is Lord. And yet there are not three lords. But one Lord. For as we are compelled by the Christian truth. To acknowledge every person by himself. To be both God and Lord. So we are forbidden by the true Christian faith to say that there are three gods or three lords. The Father is made of none, neither created nor begotten. The Son is of the Father alone, not made nor created, but begotten. The Holy Spirit is of the Father and of the Son, neither made nor created nor begotten, but proceeding. So there is one father, not three fathers, one son, not three sons, one Holy Spirit, not three Holy Spirits. And in this Trinity, none is before or after another. None is greater or less than another. But all three persons are co-eternal together and co-equal. So that in all things, as said before, the unity in Trinity and the Trinity in unity is to be worshipped. Whoever will be saved is compelled thus to think of the Holy Trinity. Furthermore, it is necessary for everlasting salvation that one also believe faithfully the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
For the right faith is that we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is God and man. God of the substance of the Father, begotten before the worlds, and man of the substance of his mother, born in the world. Perfect God and perfect man, of a rational soul and human flesh subsisting. Equal to the Father as touching his Godhead. And inferior to the Father as touching his manhood. Who, although he is God and man. Yet he is not two, but one Christ. One, not by changing of the Godhead into flesh. But by taking the manhood into God. One indeed, not by confusion of substance. But by oneness of person. For just as the rational soul and flesh is one man, so God and man is one Christ, who suffered for our salvation, descended into hell, rose again the third day from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father God Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead at whose coming all will rise again with their bodies, and will give an account of their own works. And they that have done good will enter into life everlasting, and they that have done evil into everlasting fire. This is the Catholic faith. Whoever does not faithfully and firmly believe this cannot be saved.